0: Welcome to the December 29, 2018 uh, Saturday Morning Meditation Meetup. This is a regular meditation meetup that happens every Saturday morning at 10 a.m. You're welcome to join in person, uh, and you're also welcome to just listen to the recording as you are doing now. So enjoy.
1: Yeah, my father's having health problems, and um, he had a stroke, and so oh. we had to deal with that whole thing. He's still He's, he's, he's doing fine. He's recovering, but... I think it kind of just brought the whole like I'm 53 years old and my body's telling me. Yep. I'm mortal. Yep. I'm going to die. My dad's going to die. Yep. My mom's going to die. Everyone's going to die. And I think I just identified it a while ago what's going on is like my motivation for the for practicing is like, well, even if I do become an arhan, I'm going to die. And then it all just goes back to nothing. It's like their whole reset button gets set again. So what's like, what's the point if I get enlightened, if I don't get enlightened, it doesn't really just matter. Uh, yeah, that's that's a
0: damn good question. (laughs) Um, and it's not an easy question to answer, right? Like, like what, what exactly is it that is getting enlightened? You know, what, I mean, one thing that that I find interesting to contemplate when thinking about this question is like, what exactly is it that's here right now? Um, Like, what is experiencing what we're experiencing? Is it?
2: um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs)
0: I'm fifty. I guess I'm about the same age as Jeff, so so I'm not quite there yet, Steve. But
3: uh, Ted knows we're talking about uh, why get enlightened uh, if we're just going to die pretty soon. Right. Yeah. So
0: I don't know. I mean, there's basically there's there's a couple of things to think about. There. One is that that um, whatever it is that's here experiencing this now um, is actually kind of difficult to explain in terms of of like.
2: brain architecture. Do you know what I mean?
1: Well, I know that's the hard problem, right? Yeah. The hard problem of, of uh, consciousness, but um, yeah. Is it emergent? Is it just a property of um, trillions of atoms coming together in a particular configuration? Is there something that's there behind the scenes the whole time just waiting for uh, the right conditions to manifest? Right. right. Does does it even matter? (laughs) I'm conscious. I'm alive. I'm talking to you.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, it, it it matters in a sense, because when you think about um, uh, awakening and enlightenment and stuff like that, then, uh, you know, depending on which Buddhist sect you study, you might get one or more different answers about what it is. I mean, the sort of the the very most minimal answer to that is you should get enlightened in this lifetime, because why the hell not? Like, why continue existing? Like... You know you're fifty three. Suppose you live to be sixty, right? I'm being really pessimistic here. You'll probably live a lot longer than that. but suppose you live to be sixty. that means that you've got seven years when you're going to be either experiencing life as suffering or experiencing life as an awakened person um, and what does it really mean to experience life as an awakened person as opposed to experiencing life as a suffering person? Basically, like for one thing, it means that it'll be a lot more pleasant. Um, you won't be worrying about the fact that you're going to die when you're 60. Suppose you knew you were going to die. Like, like, like there was like a meteorite coming at you and you wouldn't be thinking about 60. You would be thinking about now. You'd be thinking about how do I, uh, how do I live this moment in the most meaningful way rather than, Oh my God, I'm going to die because, you know, Oh my God, I'm going to die is about something that's not happening now. And, uh, it's something that we all know is going to happen, right? It's not like, you know, there's some magical elixir that's going to keep you immortal or something like that. So, you know, nobody's, I don't think anybody in Buddhism ever promised a magical elixir to make you immortal. There are some sects of Buddhism that talk about various forms of immortality, but you know, you, you, you basically like, if you were, if I were to go back and ask, so, so like I had this experience in the finders course and you know, I'm I'm in this much nicer place than I was before. And if I were to go back and ask that person, you know from two thousand and sixteen the summer of two thousand and sixteen, was this worth you know was this worth spending those seventeen weeks on was this worth two thousand dollars or whatever it was we paid for the finders course um, you know the answer would be hell yes <laughs> right so and and you know the the reason is not because like. You know, I'm, I got some ultimate result that clarified everything and made it all obvious and understandable, and everything all makes sense now and stuff like that. It's just that life is better now, and um, I am now more able to help others than I was then. Um, I'm more able to be, I'm more able to contribute to the health of the greater organism, um, and so, like, for me, that's a pretty clear rationalization for doing it is just because it makes me more able to make the world a better place. And by the way, if you think about enlightenment in terms of sort of interconnectedness, uh, that means that the effort that you spend to get closer to enlightenment is not wasted, even if you die. Right. So, so, you know, suppose like, you know, I mean, I don't know how much longer I have left to live. It could be a long time. It could be not long at all, but it was worth it because I've already done things that I think made a big difference for people and that I couldn't have done if I hadn't put the effort into getting to uh, some level of awakening. So, um, so in that sense, it was worth doing. Um, it's really hard to see that from the perspective of, of, of being really stuck in the self, though, because the self really wants to persist. That's basically the self's job right that it, honestly, like that's what the self is there for um, it's there to make the individual organism persist and continue and do all the things that need to happen so that life will go on, and it has to do that in the presence of this contradiction that life won't go on that life won't continue indefinitely so so the self has this problem and so Awakening isn't getting rid of the self. Like people talk about like ego death and, you know, stuff like that, but it's not really about getting rid of the self. It's about just allowing the self to do its job without forcing the self to confront things that the self isn't capable of dealing with. The self is not capable of dealing with mortality, literally not capable, cannot do. Um, and so when the self is given the responsibility for dealing with, with, with mortality. It just spins, because that's all it can do.
3: Why? Why is I just question the definitiveness of saying the self cannot deal with it. I mean, well, this, I would say more. I would accept if you said it may not be able to, but it's possible it could. <laughs> you know It's like, it's,
0: Well, okay, so I mean, the self could are, do you mean the self could, could figure out well, a way to saying, not die or?
3: No, no, it's good to figure out a way to deal with it, you know. Well, I don't, don't, it's like my point quickly is just, I don't buy the magic sauce or snake oil. It's like, yeah, you know, it's good to have perspective, good to learn stuff, mm -hmm. but you know, it's, you're not going to just, I'm not always good. You know, man, I don't, I don't believe I could get enlightened enough to always be in the present. And and I don't even think that that's a possibility of being in the present all the time. Mm -hmm. And like, and, uh, you know, you're still, I'm still going to feel sad and uh, with people I love get hurt or die or, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, that's fine. That's that's part of life is getting sad. You are a limited self and you understand that that's part of it. There I I sort of uh, have come to question the whole life is suffering thing. I think, you know, I'm going to step number one is, is Buddha right about life is suffering. It's like, no, it's just, it's that there's suffering in life, but that's not what life is. Life is joy and love and all this other stuff too. So I'm, uh, I call a lot of the question, but I, I interrupted your solilo- soliloquy. Sorry.
0: It's all right. It's, it's good to, to pop the balloon. I was kind of being preachy there, but um, yeah, I mean, you could, you could, you could look at it that way, Steve, but I mean, I think it depends on what you mean by the self. What I'm talking about is the, sort of problem-solving self, the thing that tries to perpetuate the organism. Um,
3: it's still, it's, that's, I, that's what I'm talking about, too. It's like, yeah, it's going to function. It's, you know, it's trying to perpetuate the organism, but, you know, it doesn't mean it can't be aware that it's, you know, going to fail eventually, you know. It's like it can deal with that, you know. Why can't it deal with that?
0: yeah i mean you you could put it that way i mean to to me, there seems like to there seems to be a difference between um
2: uh, we're sort of playing the self as like this you know this lesser creature that you know can't
3: deal with you know with his can't deal with all this stuff, but the self is what we, you know we actually are that is the self, and it's like it, it is dealing with it you know to whatever right. degree so, it
2: does.
0: yeah i think so, I think we're talking uh, about. Two different models here. The model that I'm using is a little different than the model you're using. The model that you're using is that the self is everything that I can count as being part of this, right? Like everything that, like all of the thoughts that are that are localized here, all of the uh, conditioning that's localized here, this body, whatever belongs to this body, that's the self. So that's one way.
3: No, the concept of that, not it, not the. It's the representation of of those things. Yeah, it's a representation of somebody, you know, being aware of that. So it's not, it's not, it's not all of that. It's there's a representation, you know. There's you're realiz you're realizing that you're representing all those things you just said. Mm -hmm. So my thing is just yeah, but and you know yeah, it's great to learn all this stuff. And it's I mean I you know I, I think this is a value to it or you know, but I you know I don't think that it's like as I'm getting closer to the end time, I'm I, my understanding of it is like, you know, there's no magic, you know, potion I'm going to come up with. I'm realizing that, you know, so that's as far as, it's not a magic potion for uh, to to, you know, basically be a, a narcotic either for the for everything, you know. So,
0: yeah, I mean, so in a sense, what you're saying is that that the self has to recognize that, that there are some problems that it can't solve.
3: It doesn't have to, but it's better, but I think, if it does. Yeah. It's happier if it does. Yeah, I, I, that's my view. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah, so I wouldn't really debate that. I mean, I think that's a perfectly reasonable way of looking at it. I was just putting it a different way. To yeah, me, the, no, I, the thing I, that I, I'm yeah. calling the self is actually a subset of all of this. It's not this. So, Fair. yeah.
3: I think so, we're saying the same thing.
0: Yeah so anyway the the point I don't know if this is helping you at all, Jeff, or if it's just a bunch of words, but um the point is that there is this um, the there is this thing that the problem finder needs to stop doing, right Call it the self, call it the problem finder, whatever the problem finder needs to let go of that because the fact is like every moment that you're alive you know is a moment when like, you know, crappy shit can happen and amazing shit can happen.
2: And, um, and the more you spend, the more, the more you reinforce the, um, if, if all you ever do is try to find and solve problems, then, uh, all you're really ever going to be holding in
0: conscious experience is problems. And that's just, you know, we have limited time on this planet and our problems really aren't so hard that they require all of our time. The reason why we spend so much time on them is not because it requires the time. Like, you know, how much time is it worth spending on death? Zero, because you can't solve it. Right. Like it's obvious that you can't solve it. So why spend any time at all thinking about death? Well, the reason there are two reasons. One is because, you know, you have to like have a will and stuff like that so that when when you die, like, you don't that process that doesn't create an undue burden for whoever's left behind. Um, But aside from that, thinking about death is basically just just doing now what you're going to have to do later. Right. It's suffering now for something that's not happening now. And so it's just a waste of time. So so part of the the point of all of this stuff is just to stop doing that because, you know, it's like, you know, you are precious to some people in this world, right? There are people in this world who value your presence, who enjoy you, who
2: appreciate you. Um, And the more of the time that they have with you that they spend
0: enjoying you and appreciating you, the more worthwhile their life is, right? Like, like if they spend all of the time that they have with you thinking about the fact that you're going to die, then they're not really going to enjoy you. They're not really going to appreciate you because they're doing something else. Just simply, they're doing something else. And, uh, and that's true for you too. All of the people in your life that you appreciate and that you enjoy. Um, if you spend all of your time with them thinking about the fact that you're going to lose them, thinking about, you know, the fact that you're, that they're going to lose you, you know, I mean, it's, it's always, it's important to plan for the future. But aside from that, like any time that you spend on that is time that you're not sitting there appreciating them, enjoying them, uh, getting the value out of what's happening now. And, uh, it's not like it's like, there's some like, you know, it's not like it's, it's some truth or something. You must get the value out of all of the relationships that you have now. But if you value the relationships, and you, you know, you do. Otherwise you wouldn't mind them going away. Then you might as well get the value out of them. And, and that just means, you know, being there and being, being in the relationship and not being somewhere else. So I don't know. That was a bit preachy.
1: I hope it was not useless. <laughs> But I'm sorry that you're. No, having... no, that's it's yeah. important for me to hear. I don't know. It's just I'm just kind of in that place right now. So yeah. I know I'll come out of it. Yeah. Um. I, I guess I'm also kind of holding myself to a higher standard than I might um, be expected to right now because you know I'm in the dedicated practitioners class and mm-hmm. supposed to be meditating for an hour a day. Um. You know, and it's yep. I've I've watched over the last few weeks it's just like fallen to like a third of what it sh- should be. Mm-hmm. So. Um, yeah. on the other hand, I'm auditing the course, you know, I mean, I, I can do whatever the hell I want, you know, and yeah. even if I wasn't auditing the course, if I was taking it for like a college course credit, I can do whatever the hell I, my life needs, you know? So yeah, in some way I have to cut myself a little slack. I know, I know myself, I'll bounce back, you know, I'll yeah. probably be coming back at this thing a hundred percent within a couple of weeks or whatever. So I'll just give myself a pass, but I don't know. I just kind of needed to share. I've sort yeah. of been in a, a negative space as far as the meditation goes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the other thing, Jeff, is like, you don't necessarily like, it may be that the right meditation for you to be doing right now is not like, I must get to stage five, I mm. must get to stage six, whatever it is, right? Like, maybe the right thing to be doing in meditation right now is just noticing what's going on in your mind. Just like noticing where the, where the pain is, where the loops are, where the stuckness is. It's a freaking man. circus in there, man. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's so a little circus. Yeah, so just like just like you know, you might consider you know, so you're doing twenty minutes of meditation. Maybe do like twenty minutes of meditation as a sort of a calisthenics exercise, right? Where you're like trying to do the TMI stuff, and then you know, take ten minutes after that when your mind has gotten a little bit of chill from the fact that you were doing the practice to just enjoy the state of mind, or you know, enjoy or use the state of mind uh, as a way to just look inwards and look at what's going on in your mind and just like you know, have a little self, spend a little time on self-compassion, right? Like on, ow, I'm in pain. Here's the pain. Look at that. There's the pain. Ow. You know, I'm sorry that I'm in pain. Um, And and like, you know, be both, because you, you have that capacity to be both the pain and the observer of the pain that is, that can then be sympathetic or, or compassionate towards the pain. Um So see if you can do that in your meditation maybe and see what happens. because. You know, it's, there. you shouldn't expect that this is just going to be, that this is just going to go away. Like, you know, my my mom had a stroke when she was in her late fifties, which is really early. Um, And it completely upended my life. Like it completely upended my worldview. It was not a small thing. And it's okay that it's not a small thing and it's not, you don't need to beat yourself up into like, you know, going back to the way things were. In fact, going back to the way things were might be the wrong thing, but what you you might need to do is figure out a way to go forward, taking into account what you've now experienced. Um, And just, learning how to live in the presence of that knowledge rather than, you know, the other thing that you can do and which, which people do do is just work at covering it back up again. Hmm. And that's no good either. Right? Like that's not going to make you a happier person in the long run. That's just going to make you a person who's good at not looking at the truth, not looking at what's happening. So yeah, that's what my mother would do, but no, I'm not going to do that. Right. Yeah. Don't do that. (laughs) I mean, you know, do what you want, but. But my advice is don't
1: do that. So anyway, I'm sorry about your dad. And uh, No, he's, and he's that... doing okay. He's in recovery and he's in physical therapy. And it's just been a rough couple of weeks. So yeah. we're actually going to go over and see him. I have to leave probably at about uh, 11 o'clock on the nose because I got to get ready to go over to their place. Uh-huh. But uh, I haven't seen him since it happened about two weeks ago. And he had surgery and everything, so we'll see how he's doing. I know he's lost feeling in a lot of his left side of his body, so yeah. he's in PT in a special, you know, like uh, recovery center in order to get over that. So
0: yeah. Anyway. By the way, one thing to say about this, just and this is not Dharma advice. This is just personal advice. Um, he may get quite discouraged by the by what he's lost, um, and. You know, I don't know your dad, so maybe your dad is like such a such a go-getter that this won't happen. But it's something to watch out for that he might get sufficiently discouraged by what he's lost and the fact that he's not gaining it back quickly. That uh, he might stop doing the exercises or mm-hmm. stop doing the things that are needed to to get back whatever degree of function he can get back, and it may be uh, important for you to act as a little bit of a pusher for him to get him to, and and you you may have to figure out a skillful way to do that because, because actually pushing might not work.
1: But maybe, um, you know, it's funny though. I've had that conversation with my brother and the way my dad is, is knowing him that he's, if anybody's going to succeed, it's going to be him. mm -hmm. So I might not have to be the pusher, but yeah, yeah, if I'll, I'll keep my eyes out and see if he starts to flag and if he does, I'll, my yeah. brother and I will figure out skillful ways to kick him in the ass.
0: But also also uh, the word succeed is actually a pretty well, interesting pointer because uh, succeed could mean a lot of different things. And if succeed means get back to the way things were before the stroke, that might not happen. In fact, that's not likely to happen, right? You know, you don't get 100% better from a stroke. It's very rare. Uh, you might get to the point where, where nobody can tell that you had a stroke but you're still gonna be doing some work to make that happen. And so, so actually having a clear definition of success can be really helpful. So just, you know. All
1: right, well, thank you. Appreciate sure. it. Sure,
2: yeah. All right, well, uh, who wants to go next?
1: man did i drop a bomb or what <laughs> yeah <laughs> you wrecked everything
4: <laughs> i guess i'll go since that it, it's kind of related i didn't realize what happened jeff sorry to hear that um yeah my dad actually is in the hospital too cuz he fell and broke his hip so he's been getting surgery cuz a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. so yeah pretty similar situation and uh yeah it's uh, been um interesting during meditation too because i I think I'm basically at stage one and <laughs> just it's, it's as far as I can tell all the, all the instructions point that I'm basically practicing at stage one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just trying to accept that and uh, work with that in a way of just kind of, kind of like what you were saying before Ted about uh, using that as an observation time. Yeah. Uh, not trying to say I'm going to be doing stage one, two, three, four, five, and seeing how it goes. So, and uh, I don't know if there's anything really interesting this week, I'm still getting to dullness though. So, yay! Right away. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, it's when you're in that place, um, just like doing whatever the practices that you can do and 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 sticking with it can be really powerful. I mean, you, you also like, like what you can expect to have happen in meditation is going to be different. So like gauging your meditation on the basis of what your meditation is like when things are going pretty easily in life is not necessarily accurate. So, you know, Your experience of the stages when you're in this place might be just whether or not you can be mindful of what's going on in your mind versus just getting sucked into it. So like if you sit down on the cushion and you spend the 20 minutes or half an hour or whatever it is on the cushion, just like getting sucked into every train of thought and um, not even really being aware that that's happening, then yeah, that's, that's kind of a stage one situation or a stage two situation. But on the other hand, if you get, if you sit down on the cushion and your entire experience for the entire sit is that you're watching your mind doing all of these things, that's actually stage four. That's not stage one. And the reason it's stage four is because you're mindful the whole time. So, uh, so if you can sit there and just watch all of the stuff coming up and, uh, you know, remain mindful and, uh, you know, do the thing that I was talking about with Jeff, where you just kind of like notice the pain come up and you're just like kind of being self-compassionate about it. That's, that's not actually a backslide. That's you using the meditation that you've spent all of this time developing when you need it. Like you need it right now. You need the meditation to, to help you to get over this, this difficult time in your life and it's there for you. So you know, just something to consider. I mean, I'm not saying like, it's bad if you, if you sit down and you get carried away by the, by the ocean of, of, uh, of feeling, but, um, but if you find that you're sitting down and you're actually engaging with, with your, uh, feelings and you're engaging with your experience, that's not really stage two. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that
4: the, that stage four noticing that you're mentioning really uh, I would say I can get to that point maybe like four or five times throughout an hour sit. Mm-hmm. That's like maybe four or five times that I'm maybe six that I'm actually going the aha moments. <laughs> like, oh, I've been mind wandering. So I, it, yeah, at those points it is. And I I think that it's possible that there is some progress happening a little bit because I got to maybe one chain of four or five breaths where I was actually focused on the breath. <laughs> Out of, out of a whole hour at the end of the week so um, yeah uh, one thing also that was kind of an interesting revelation was that usually I uh, I have you know gotten kind of frustrated and got up from my sit early earlier than, than the hour that I set out to do um, and then the other day I had kind of a because I have some family in town so I thought of oh it's a fun thing I can do now and it was an exciting thought and I was like okay it's okay to get up early from that. And, uh, and then I, I realized that after I was done, I said, well, it's kind of the same, um, the same result. If I'm so frustrated, the meditation's over early time to go, or I'm so excited. I want to go do X, Y, Z. Then it's okay to, to end the meditation early. It's the same kind of, uh, feeling like, oh, okay, that's, that's, what's more important now. So it was interesting to see the once ha- for once having like a really positive thing uh, that got me up early, that was uh, having the same result.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: So, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. I don't think there's a, anything else really that has been going on. Mm-hmm. Just looking at my journal.
0: how we all look at our phones when we're looking at our journals now instead of (laughs) pulling out a little black book (laughs) the problem is it's hard to it's hard to actually journal effectively on the phone i find because well i i switched from android to apple a while back for various reasons and the apple keyboard is like slow to type on so i actually find writing to be more effective but
4: it might be it's more of a convenience factor because right. here on the Insight Timer app, it automatically I have a prompt right as soon as I'm done with the meditation. So, right, it's like, oh, okay, I'll write down a few things. Just uh, <clears throat> usually, how much sleep I got, right? How that affected me. <clears throat> um, the other thing I noticed was I get uh, pretty when I'm bothered by noises. Um, and it's oh, it's interrupting my meditation. I have to focus on. It. It's it's so loud. I can't focus. But then when I'm mind wandering, I had no idea what noises were happening. It's the same noises as before. I can completely disregard them. Yeah. I uh, say, okay. How do I how do I switch that over into the focus practice? Because it's clear I have the ability to filter out these noises and not even know they're happening. <coughs> Excuse me. So what's what's the difference here?
6: Yep. Yeah, so a, that's a really
0: good
2: insight to explore. Who's next? I'll, I'll jump up.
6: Uh, um, yeah, things are, things are pretty good, actually. Um, and uh, yeah, the meditation is going pretty well. It seems that when I sit, I'm able to have awareness, very sharp awareness of everything going on And uh, Mike talking about thoughts being distracting or not thoughts, sounds being distracting, it's kind of cool because I can just kind of sit there and when a sound comes up it's like I watch my attention jump over there and jump over there and jump over there and it's not like I'm distracted, it's just like I'm sitting there watching the attention get sucked over there, it's just kind of cool to watch it and just kind of say, oh that's the way the the mind operates, and that's the way the, the mind, you know, reacts and is conditioned to, to follow these things, and, uh, yeah, just kind of doing that for everything, like, if, you know, a bit of mind wandering comes up, or thoughts come up, or something else comes up, or an emotion comes up, just kind of watching it, and just kind of going, okay, that's some interesting conditioning, or, oh, that's kind of neat where that came from, and, Uh, yeah, so, I don't know, it's, it's, the meditations are more interesting than ever before. There's nothing whatsoever that's, I don't know, I think when I started meditation, I had this view that, you know, you'd kind of just sit there for an hour, and you'd be wrapped in this foggy gray blanket of, you know, nothingness and bliss and stuff, but it's just like, you know, Busy as a swarm of bees, but it's, you know, it's all cool. It's just kind of watching it. And i uh, been watching a lot of talks by this guy, Rupert Spira, I think yeah. I mentioned a couple of weeks ago. And he's got a lot of really, really cool stuff about sort of where do thoughts come from and what is the self and, you know, trying to dig into, you know, who is the agent on half of which this you know emotion of anger or upset or resentment or whatever is arising and you know trying to find it and you know it's it's you know it just seems more and more that that's just kind of a fiction you know it's just an idea you know like as a programmer you have an idea that you know a certain statement will you know cause a value to be looked up in an array and incremented or something but you know you might be wrong about it it's just a concept in your head and you know something might change or you might realize that there's another nuance to it and you know it kind of seems that this sense that you know whatever it is that is getting angry about stuff or sad about stuff or whatever isn't there it's just a it's just an idea the same way as a, you know, an idea about how a programming language works. And that the anger is just, you know, all these subconscious sub-minds and sub-conditioning and, you know, there's no, you know, there's no master me in control of it. It's just kind of watching all this shit happen and it all bubbles up and somehow it all kind of more or less coordinates with each other most of the time. And yeah, it's just kind of cool. So, yeah. so yeah, I, you know, I don't know if that's some kind of insight into no self or, you know, all this big woo stuff or whatever, but it was kind of interesting because a couple of weeks ago I had an experience where I just got really, really angry about something, just like, you know, I was completely triggered and, you know, I was just, you know, off the wall angry about it. And the next day... I just started thinking about it, and I'm just like, you know, you know, that's absolutely ridiculous, you know, there's absolutely no reason for that to be, and it, it just kind of felt like you know, a lot of this stuff dropped away, and, you know, I'm still kind of, you know, this stuff all still comes up, but then I think about it, and it's like, you know, you know, well, why is this stuff coming up? And then it just kind of disappears. And I don't know, it's it's just kind of been a interesting interesting couple of weeks. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, I mean, it's, you know, insight, if you talk to enough people who've had insights, then you realize that there isn't one way that it's, that it's experienced. And it's often something, you know, insights insights can come in just that way. So, you know, we get all this this idea that we have to have like some kind of deep insight while sitting on the cushion, and uh, you know, it's it just it's it's fun for people when that happens, but it's not always the way it happens.
6: Yeah. So. Yeah. No, it's it's just kind of like a a different experience of myself. You know, it's like I was I was at the gym last night lifting and. The song came on my on my uh, headphones, and you know I was all of a start, All of a sudden, started feeling you know this intense emotion, and then it's like, oh yeah, I can see that arising because you know it reminds you know it triggers a memory of this, which triggered a memory of that. Yep. You no, know, but I was just watching myself experience this emotion, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, my body is you know like shaking and you know I'm completely amped and you know it's like I'm half sad but I'm half you know psyched up at the same time and I'm just watching myself you know perform the set but it's you know it's just you know I really don't know what it was that was performing the set it's just you know something inside me was you know doing the lifting and I'm just watching and it's like, ah, this is, you know, this is cool. There's something in there that really likes to lift and is really amped up about this and has, you know, real, you know, sadness about this particular event and this particular relationship that this song, you know, triggered the memory of, but it's Mm -hmm. just, you know, it's kind of watching all this shit bubble around and it's interesting.
0: Sometime when you're feeling adventurous, you might want to see if you can watch the, the, uh, the thing that's watching.
6: Yeah. I don't know. It's,
0: I say that not because it's going to produce some like incredibly profound insight because it might, but, but mostly it's just interesting. It's like, hmm how is it that it's possible to watch the thing that's watching?
6: (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, I don't know right now, it's just like, you know, the stuff comes up and then it's just like, I, I sort of back off a little bit and just, you know, become aware of (laughs) exactly, exactly. And it's just kind of become aware of the awareness almost. And it's just like, you know, being aware of all this stuff, it's just like a, a glass container. And, you know, all these things are, you know, bubbling up and, you know, ink swirling around in the fish tank kind of thing. And then it dissipates and it's, you know, but, you know, the glass container is, you know, it's, it's still there. It's, you know, yep, the upset comes and then, you know, a minute later it's gone and, you know, but the awareness is still exactly the same as it was.
0: Did I ever tell you about the headless way?
6: You've mentioned it.
0: You might find it interesting. It's, it's, it's touching the same idea from a slightly different angle.
6: It's uh, the r- uh, Ichabod Crane style.
0: Exactly. No. Uh, no, it's basically just like, if you think about it, like, have you ever seen your head? Parts of it. Right, like your nose, you could see a little <laughs> bit of a thing that's like a nose. What else, what other parts of your head can you see? Maybe you could see, like, you could sort of see your eyebrows, but they're awfully damn blurry, so you can't be sure that that's what you're seeing. All right. So, like, why is it that you know that you have a head?
6: Well, what's the difference between a mirror being there and not being there? Hmm? What's the difference between the mirror being there and not being there?
0: So when you look in the mirror, you see something over there that you call your head, but it's over there.
6: Yeah. Well, when I look at my hand, I see something over there.
0: Well, right. But you can see that your hand, I mean, actually, you know, you know that it's your hand because you can sort of make a connection between like some kind of intention to notice that it's your hand or maybe make it do something so that it seems like it's responding to your, you know, your intentions. But, uh,
6: but how's that any different than being in a mirror? My, my intellect tells me that, it's not. The, the only reason I know my hand is here is because photons, which oh, yeah. again just a thought, a concept, but also, photons bouncing in a mirror yeah. is, is just the same kind of thing. It's the, same, it's the same thought, and I have the same experiential version.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: You know, I s- stick out my tongue and, and I see the photons of a tongue moving back at me. It's the same as wiggling my thumb.
1: You should totally try those experiments on headless.org. Some of them are pretty mind blowing, but you have to be kind of open-minded to them. Yeah. It's kind of a, it's kind of about dropping the story of what we think we know intellectually in a way it's just, it's just strictly experiential.
0: Yeah. Just looking at what you're actually experiencing as opposed to the model that you make of it.
6: No, check it out.
0: Anyway, I mean I I just mentioned it because because uh you know it's a, it's so Rupert Rupert comes at the whole thing from awareness and and I really I really love the way Rupert talks about it but it can be fun to have like another uh another angle to look at the same thing and I tend to think of headless as being sufficiently different than the way that Rupert talks about it that it's actually interesting as a as a contrast.
4: What would be an example of a weird uh, thing that on headless.org that they would ask you to do so
0: headless.org has a bunch of what he calls experiments and each of the experiments is basically about trying to notice uh what you're actually experiencing as opposed to uh the model that you make of what you're experiencing and it's it's You, you kind of have to, like, I, I, I'm not really qualified to, to get you into that headspace easily. Like, it's, it's actually a lot easier to do it in sort of a, uh, you know, to either to use the website itself, uh, which just has a list of experiments you can do, and kind of a vernacular to use to think about them. Or the other thing that's kind of cool is that, that uh, there's a guy, Richard Lang, who's kind of runs headless.org, and, um, he has online zoom meetups from time to time and doing zoom sessions with him can be a lot of fun. And also sometimes they do it in person. So, you know, it's a, it's a, it's good to have the, the connection to the, to the group when you're working on it because, uh, Oh, Jeff's got one. Jeff, do you want to just walk us through it?
1: Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert in this either. It just, I had sort of a flash of, um, I wouldn't call it insight, but you know, hearness, nowness, isness. Um, when I did that experiment the first time, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, yeah, that's exactly right, Mike. Um, one of the dangers is that if you go into it saying, "Oh, I already know this stuff," or "I've done this experiment and nothing happened," or anything like that, you have to kind of go into it fresh every time. Um, the other one is just like the classic pointing experiment, the very first experiment that they do. Um, and there are videos on there, or there are just descriptions of, um, how you should perform this experiment. Almost all of them you can do by yourself. You know, you can close the door so nobody, um, can tell that you're doing something funny looking and, uh, you know, just try them out and see if anything works for you. Uh, they're, um, they're, they can be pretty powerful. That's all I'll say about it. I'm not going to really walk anybody through the experiment. I, I mean, I think they do a better job than I would be able to on the website itself. So, Yeah.
2: Steve? All right. So take your finger and point to somewhere on the wall in front of you. Right now, you got to do that. It won't work unless we do it. Now, point down at the floor. Look at a spot on the floor. Point at your knee. Now point at your chest. You look at your you're looking at you're looking
3: at what you're pointing at. You're pointing at your stomach or your chest. So you see where you're pointing from and you see what you're pointing to. Now point at yourself. And you can see where you're pointing from, but you can't see where you're pointing to. That's the headless feeling, is that. There's no, like in every other experience, you're pointing, you can see what you're pointing at, but when you're doing the pointing at yourself, you can't see it. So that's the,
2: I, one of the ideas, uh, not very good version of it, but it's a version.
1: Yeah, that's, that's the classic experiment. Mm-hmm. uh, Like uh, Tab was saying, it's worthwhile um, trying to join up with some. They have like five Zooms every week, um, one of which is on Sunday at noon Eastern time. I think they have one at Saturday. It might be at five o'clock in the afternoon. Um, Everything is like London time because Richard uh, lives in London. Um, But uh, there are are people from all over the world that join up on these Zooms. And um, the few times that I've joined up, there's been like 20 or 30 people each time. It's, uh, it's, it's a fun way of looking at things. Yep. My problem has always been that I start to just think about it. Oh yeah. But well, I, I mean, obviously I do have a head, I can feel it and I see it over there in the mirror and everything. So.
0: What really worked for me was doing the walking experiments. So I would go on a half hour walk and just do the walking experiment for the whole half hour because that gets you out of the, like you can be thinking about it intellectually for a while, but after a while you just get bored with thinking about it intellectually. And if you keep doing the exercise after that,
1: then it starts to, you start to internalize it. I mean, I think that's just the whole way of, that's the way of the human brain, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like, oh, I've already covered this territory. I I already know about this. I know this, this is the result. I don't have to put any conscious thought into it instead and worry about other things that are more important. So. Yeah. Ken and Brigitte call that I know mind, <laughs> as in I know.
0: <laughs> and of course, a lot of the things that I know aren't true. So it's, it's useful to, to recognize the, the presence of I know mind and, and have some skepticism about it. You know, uh, Shinryu Suzuki, Suzuki Roshi talked about beginner mind. It's the same idea. It's like instead
2: of having I know mind, have beginner mind have the mind that says, I don't know. So anyway, Santu, do you want to chime in with anything? Can you hear me? Yes.
7: Hmm. Hmm. That sounds really cool, the headless way. I bumped into that just like a few days ago, the, the book. And uh, it's interesting that it came up now. And uh, I know, thanks for the tip. It's like I checked some of the experiments and they seem really fun. Mm-hmm. So Interesting. Um, other than that, um, uh, I had a bit of a slump like a few weeks ago, uh, like going back to maybe in terms of stages, maybe stage, like a lot of gross gross distractions and sometimes like progressive subtle dullness and this kind of stuff but now it's getting better i uh started doing whole body breathing again like and trying to like accommodate myself to exclusive attention like slowly and uh especially emphasize like introspective awareness that like and like just trying to focus on on the intention to um like keep up the, the intention to Notice as soon as possible when distractions arise and it's been pretty good like it's it's getting better again and uh and today for example this morning i had a, a pretty good solid like like getting back to the exclusive kind of area which is very really nice i'm really happy about it i know it's, it's going to slump again at some point but uh like after my i was like at the retreat like maybe two months ago and uh, and yeah, I got around maybe stage seven, eight ish stuff. And then after that, it went like down, 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 and down. And then it's like, it's reached that bottom level, and now it's going back again. So I yeah. know. I'm happy about that.
0: That's a funny thing, isn't it? So you, you have these wonderful experiences in retreat, and then you have to figure out how do I do that when I'm not in retreat? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but you can, as you say. It's it just, you know, having the experience in retreat gives you a pointer. So now you know. Something of what to look for.
7: Yeah. Yeah. i also like, I know, like, um, somehow, interestingly, a little bit, like, there's some shame involved. I don't know how, why, mm. but uh, I've been looking at the, you know, the, the the teacher training course, and I've been like, kind of like eyeing it like, hmm, they're accepting some people who are, haven't done the dedicated practitioners' course, and like, a bit like, I know, it would be super awesome. Both for myself and others, but I know I I I think I'll apply. But I know definitely
0: apply. Yeah. Ha, so having people who can who can uh, uh, study it and then teach it in, you know, especially in other languages, I think is really important. Mm. So uh, you know, because right now we have you know Chuladasa's, I. Ludasa might speak Spanish, but he doesn't speak. He doesn't teach except in English, and uh, so yeah, I think you know I'd love to see. Um, I'd love to see more people from Europe getting the course and 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 then being able to teach it in their in their native language.
2: Yeah,
7: yeah that's what I thought thought as well. Like uh, I could teach in Finnish very easily. It's my native language, but also like it mm-hmm. wouldn't take too much effort to learn like in up Swedish for example to yeah. teach as well. And I, I know that there aren't any Swedish or Finnish teachers, so that's like that's the angle kind of. Yes. Sort of, yeah. Exactly.
0: Yeah, and I well, Finnish. <laughs> <laughs> Such a cool language.
5: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, so yeah, I, I would definitely encourage you. And if you want uh, if you want uh, you know to to use me as a as a recommendation, please do. Okay, uh, cool. Yeah. Thank
4: you. Sure. Great. It's kind of funny that you mentioned uh, how it's um, the English and if anybody outside of learning, knowing English could would know about this because I was thinking about that the other day when I was wondering how easy it would be for someone to hear the podcast and then pair up my name and my Reddit username <laughs> with me. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, well, wait a minute. Okay, so they would have to be someone who is Speaks English. They are meditate, and they know enough about meditation to want to do it. They know enough that they have gone and tried it. They know enough that they, or at least buying the book, specifically this book. Then they're going on Reddit and looking at it. Then they're seeking out the meetup group online, and then they're finding me. So I think it's like a percentage of a percentage of a percentage of very. Yeah,
2: something.
0: getting. Getting, getting, uh, getting onto this podcast and having people hear you is, is just like a really quick way to fame (laughs) amongst a very, a lot of
1: money off of this, haven't you, Ted?
0: Oh yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Easily, easily 0.001% of what I make doing my consulting work.
3: That's uh, what what Ted. What's the word that Tuladasi uses? It's that dedication or, or desire. It's uh, it's a d word, but it's it's like uh, not Uh, Not devotion. No, the mind Uh, (laughs) diligence. Diligence, yeah. Diligence. Okay, yeah. And so, what I wanted, I just wanted to 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 point out the diligence that Ted has shown in in doing this on a regular basis is is a really good example of what diligence is and i'm sure you know we've seen them in airports and conferences and <laughs> built-in substitute teacher uh, for taking over but yeah it's it's really and it, the uh feedback just hearing everybody every week is just been, you know really helpful to yeah know, go through those ups and downs too but i mean but the and then the diligence i want to I just thought of that while we were doing it. It was like, yeah, that's 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 what he means. I think that's what he means by diligence. So, it's a, Showing it. up
0: is a part of diligence, but then there's also like you know paying attention.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, you do pay attention. I mean, you're you you do a good job of staying focused. But and just briefly on my practice, when you speak, yeah. I've been using the um, I've been using the 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 sauna, the hot sauna, the finish, finish, finish uh style sauna it yeah. there's a lot of been studies going coming out or they've been uh publishing the studies that 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 were done in Finland about the increase and i've i've had uh hypertension i had high blood pressure which you know and so one of the things is is it is is lowering that and it's like i'm I'm still on my medication but it's dropping down to the point where I'm really gonna to have to go to the doctor because I'm like down to 110 or 107 and that's I'm going to have to like talk to my doctor about maybe you know reducing doses or off of it but I've been meditating when I when I go and uh, it also made me think of what Ken was talking about with the lifting because you know he said it's Ted asked a question about he was saying sometimes he's getting to the point of passing out with the lifting and Ted asked well why is that and so I've been doing the same thing in the sauna as I I, I, you know, with the meditation and the breathing exercise, I push myself as far as I can go. And then when I'm getting up and walking out to go cool down, I'm at the point of almost passing out. And I think it's, well, I had to think of that too. And I think it's some of that flow experience where you, you know, you're getting close to that, you know, I mean, it's a, a natural way to get that, that buzz, I think. And it's, you know, it's flow or whatever. But uh, it's altered altered states, you know, uh, you know, different realities. I think that's, you know, that's, that's why I go for it. But it's also trying to push, you know, it's it's a way, you know, I know I can push myself further because I can use the techniques of the meditation and that to, to stay in there longer and to, to, to work on it, but it's really, you know, so I've been doing that a lot and then I'll meditate, I'll meditate in between and then I'll go back in again for another session. So, you know, I'm getting up to like 30 minutes a day. And so that, then on my regular meditations, it's still, it's getting like hip, hip the Jeff. So that I've, I've been, uh, I real I've been doing trying to do the excess breathing, excess concentration, but my, um, and then I've been doing the whole body breathing, like Ted suggested, but I've been losing focus. So I'm going to try to do more uh, energy work, like Qigong-type stuff, and uh, and also probably try to do uh, uh, body skating.
5: Cool.
2: Yeah. Uh, by the way,
0: small small note of trivia that I got from another Finnish friend, uh Sana is one of the few words uh Finnish that's actually borrowed in English. Mm. <laughs> um yeah, so so uh the one thing I would uh caution you about. Yeah. Uh, which you probably already know. So you probably don't. Uh, do
3: probably a lot to caution. So go ahead. Yeah, I'm just
0: going to say it because it's, it's, it's something that, that, you know, we hear about when people do sweat lodges and it's the same kind of thing. Make sure you stay hydrated. Like don't go in there dry. Go into the sauna. Take it have have a nice glass of water before you go into the sauna because you don't want to get dehydrated and, you know, pass out because you got dehydrated. Or, yeah, there you go. Take a water bottle with you. Yeah, because you know you will you will exude a lot of water through your pores as you're sitting there in the sauna.
2: But uh I do. I, do. I yeah. take my water bottle and I I don't actually take it in because it gets too hot, but I I
3: you know, I keep it, I have some right before I go in and then I have it at my break, I drink a right. whole bottle. But
0: yeah. Well, you know, you could just bring in coffee because it's okay if that's hot. <laughs>
3: No, it's the, it's not the liquid, it's the container. It's too hot. Right. Though.
0: Oh, I see. Well, yeah, so. I mean, it's,
3: uh, yeah, it's 190 degrees, so it's, it's hot. Wow, really? Yeah, that's how hot the dry, dry yeah. sauna is. And there's all the studies oh. now. There's uh, studies about the heat stress proteins and what it does to the bodies. Wow, I had no idea it was that hot yeah because it's and it's so it gets you it's much hotter you can't get that hot in a steam room because you yeah. would be balded and everything so it's yeah hotter, so. wow okay well i gotta you know. just i gotta find a place where i can jump out and roll around in the snow a little bit. totally
2: <laughs>
3: you um, can, but thanks you can, again for, for uh, diligence yeah
6: you can skip the water and coffee and just bring some gravy in to baste yourself with there <laughs> Oh, dear.
0: All right. Well, so Federico, how are you doing? Uh,
5: that, uh, for, for, um, I have, uh, unfortunately, on Saturdays, I have something till close to this time. And I yep. wonder if um, there's any possibility to uh, get the recordings uh, whenever I'm Missing you guys. Uh, um, I will try to join whenever I can but um, I wonder how to see the recordings uh, or uh, You can see the recordings only if you attend a given meeting. Uh,
0: no, the recordings are available um, okay.
2: Hang on a sec. Let me find the link for you So uh,
0: if you go to this link, yes. that will get you the recordings and you can just play them in the web browser. But you can also, I don't know if you have a podcast application, but if you Oh yeah, you.
5: yeah, I, I do have. Okay, great. Okay, thanks yeah. a lot. So uh, okay. Yeah.
0: So if you go down to the bottom, uh there is a podcast feed, I'll just copy the link as well.
5: Oh some um, podcast
0: Yeah, so if you if you uh and that should work in your podcast application. Okay. Um, yeah.
5: Okay, fantastic, Th- thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, otherwise, I-, I was just um, wondering um, about the, the following, I-, I do my practice, I'm, I feel uh, to be somewhere stage six, seven, mm-hmm. I'm trying to stabilize my exclusive attention and make it effortless. And by the way, <laughs> uh, the last time, I mentioned um, the topic of uh, retreats because um, I felt that um, I had a peak um, achievement during uh, the retreat um, uh, in September. But yesterday I was able to get to a place that was much, much deeper than that. Um, On a separate note, I wonder about the... Mm -hmm extra practice like walking meditation. Uh, There's some controversy, I feel. Of course, the book um, um, strongly advises uh, uh, us to, to, to do the walking meditation, but I've heard from people that it's good until certain stages, but not so good afterwards, like for stage seven and eight. Uh, I'm not sure uh, what you think about this and uh, if anyone else has any opinion, please um, uh, suggest uh, whether to use walking meditation very seriously at stage six, seven and on, or it's pretty much, um, I wouldn't say useless, but uh, of less use.
3: So,
0: oh, go ahead, Steve.
3: Yeah. Just, of course, I found the walking meditation extremely helpful. Especially, I like walking in the woods. And the thing I think that one of the things that Chula das points out is a good way to practice uh, focusing on awareness. So, you know, it's when you're meditating a lot of time you're you're you you know how much how much is attention, how much is awareness. But when when you do the walking in the woods or walking and and you're just you know focusing on your feet. Uh, touching you there's a lot more uh, work on awareness so it really helped me uh, working on awareness.
5: Yeah uh, th- thank you very much actually I, I just recalled that uh Chul Dance was emphasizing that it's much easier to um, use awareness in walking and Somehow it's more awareness uh, biased while sitting is more attention biased and thanks for reminding me It gives me now some motivation to go back and do it seriously. Yeah. yeah. that's a good point. Thanks
0: We actually this came up in in the teacher training class. I think two weeks ago um, because we've been going through the appendices and Chula uh, Dasa uh, as I'm sure you know, recommends uh, the walking meditation, not necessarily to do as much walking meditation as you do sitting meditation, but to use the walking meditation. Um, and he definitely recommends using it at every stage. Uh, one of the things to, to ask yourself is, could I be in stage 10 while doing a walking meditation?
2: Um, Good question. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, and I would just explore that question, like re- reread the, the appendix and think about it, and then also do the, the, the walking meditation practice and see what you can have happen in, in walking meditation. Um, there are two different ways to approach it. One of them is the way that Steve was talking about, which I think is very valid, which is just go out into the world and do walking meditation and see what stage you can be at in the walking meditation out in the world if you're walking on a city street, you need to make sure that you have enough awareness that you don't get run over or shoved into the street or something like that. But is that necessarily a bad thing? Or is that actually part of the practice, something to explore? Um, the other thing you can do is do the, the nine-point the nine um, walking practice inside of a building, somewhere where you're not going to be interrupted. Um, and then you can get into an extremely deep, uh, meditation while still being, while still having visual awareness, because you have to have visual awareness to walk while still having awareness of the body. It can be a very good way to connect into the body very deeply. So, so yeah, definitely. Um, one of the things I have to confess, I'm not actually that big about walking meditation when I'm out of retreat. And so. I've been kind of skipping walking meditation. And after hearing Chula Dasa and some of my fellow teacher training students talk about their walking meditation practice, I felt really jealous and I want to do it more. So, <laughs> so I, I would encourage you to explore that also. Uh,
5: that, thanks. It, it sounds very inspirational. Um, I, I momentarily felt that I will do something like, like this right after <laughs> our conversation. But oh, yeah. then, uh, uh, um, uh, is... The following variation also viable, for example, instead of doing it with walking, doing it with Tai Chi or anything like this. I mean, you do the Tai Chi movements, but you apply the same set of principles, the same technology as with walking. Is it a viable variation or it should be actually walking?
0: Uh, it certainly is viable. One thing to bear in mind about Tai Chi is that Tai Chi is a powerful energy practice. Yes. And so, uh, one of the things to notice when you're doing Tai Chi is to see if you can actually notice the Chi flowing. Um. And so, so basically, and and what you're describing, doing sort of the walk, using the walking meditation technology. To get into that state of mind is a great approach to making yourself available to experiencing the flow of qi. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, because what you may find is that the simplest movements in tai chi, once you once you're sensitized to the flow of qi, you realize how powerful they are. Um, and so, and I, you know, it, it really depends on on you. Not everybody has the same experience. I know Steve is, is into this stuff, but um, uh, I have a friend who's a Tai Chi master and I did a, a Tai Chi class with her and I hadn't really experienced Chi flow before, but, but doing the class with her, I really experienced it very strongly. So um, yeah, Tai Chi is definitely a, f- a fertile ground for this kind of exploration and I would encourage you to, to do that.
5: thanks it's another great point because it connects to the body scan and um, yes exactly the the, the feeling of um, uh, the breath which is somehow tightly probably it's another name for chi after all yeah or 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 prana
0: chi prana yeah yeah
2: yeah thank you very much (laughs) cool
0: all right well thanks for coming i'm glad you were able to get here even if even if the time slot isn't quite right for you Um, Yeah. All right. So uh, does anybody else want to talk about anything?
4: I just want to mention um, kind of not exactly meditation related, but I wanted to tell you guys that um, uh, I have a, I have big issues with procrastination, especially working from home. It's quite easy to procrastinate on difficult work. Um, I found that if I do the six point prep, before I start working, I seem to stay on task the entire time. Nice. Uh, I was doing it and I said, Oh, I think, I think I'm actually, it's actually helping and I'm getting things done. And then I didn't do it. And I procrastinated basically a whole hour and a half that I had set aside (laughs) to work. And uh, I said, okay, I think maybe there's, maybe that's helpful. So I just replaced everything with the motivation goal uh, expectation with why I'm working on whatever it is that I have to do. And, uh, so far, it seems to have been doing good. I'm going to keep using it. So I just wanted to kind of uh, give you, share you guys a little advice if you deal with procrastination, but I know none of you do. It's just me who has that problem. So,
2: ha
0: (laughs) cool. Well, thanks. That's actually, um, that's actually, I think highly topical and, and, um, And much appreciated. So, uh, I guess if nobody else has anything, uh, does anybody else have anything? All right. Well, thanks everybody for coming. And uh, hopefully, I'll see some or all of you next
2: week. Sounds good. Thanks, all. Mm -hmm.